Chapter 13 The Charge of Impotence Verse 19 And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord seeth, but water is not, and the ground barren. And he said, Bring me a new cruise. Put salt therein. And they brought it to him. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters, and cast the salt in there, and said, Thus saith the Lord, I have healed these waters. There shall not be from hence any more death or barren land. So the waters were healed unto this day, according to the saying of Elijah, which he spake. And he went up from hence to Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him, and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. And he turned back, and he looked upon them. And he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood, and tare forty and two children of them. And he went from hence to Mount Carmel, and from hence he returned to Samaria. Two kings. Chapter 2, verse 19 through 25. Miracles are not common in biblical history, although they stand out because they command our attention. On the whole, miracles tend to cluster around three eras. First, the time of Exodus. Second, the time of Elijah and Elisha. And third, during the time of our Lord and the Apostles. In between... There are sometimes centuries without witness of a single contemporary miracle. Another fact appears. These three eras of miracles are also times of judgment. The Exodus era is a time of judgment on Egypt and Pharaoh, on the faithless older generation of Israelites, and on the Canaanites. The age of Elijah and Elisha is a time of judgment on Ahab and Israel and secondarily on Judea. The Lord's day is judgment again upon Israel, but also upon the sin of man. All three eras are also times of salvation. With the Exodus, God's covenant people are redeemed from slavery and given the promised land. The Sabbath of the Old Testament era dates from the day of the first Passover. Old Israel's day of salvation... In Elijah, in Elijah's day, a remnant is prepared for the time of judgment upon apostasy, and their deliverance enables them to become a nucleus of a renewed covenant with Christ. The covenant is now set forth in all its salvific meaning by Christ's redemptive work. And he, by his resurrection, becomes the new Adam of the new creation, the king of a redeemed humanity. There is a very striking difference between the events in the life of Elijah and the events of the life of Elijah. Elijah spoke to the king and to the nation, seeking to recall them from their apostasy. We are given specific information with respect to the setting and often the time of events. 
In Elijah's ministry, all such data with respect to the life of the nation is usually omitted as irrelevant. Elijah stands at the center of Israel's history in his time as the great figure with whom the king and nation must contend. Elijah is just as well known at home and abroad, and perhaps even better known than Elijah. But he is not the center of events. Instead of a chronological account, carefully dated or related to the social, political, and economic developments of that era, we are given a succession of episodes. This is not accidental. Elijah speaks to the string, but still covenant nation. By the time of his death, the covenant is not with the apostate nation, but with a remnant. Elijah speaks to and works with that remnant. And the sons of the prophets, young men who are sons of the faith and in training to be witnesses to the remnant. As Israel's apostasy deepens, the miracles abound, and the blindness of Israel to God is thereby stressed. They will not believe, though miracles happen all around them, because they prefer their way to God's way. Elijah worked with three schools of the prophets, the seminaries of that day at Bethel, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 3, Jericho, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 5, and Gilgal, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38. Because of a lack of space, the Gilgal school was later transferred to the Jordan Valley, 2 Kings 6, verse 2. Some of these students were married men and others single, but meals were eaten in common, 2 Kings 4, verse 1, and verses 38 through 44. These men and Elisha were all involved in the life of Israel, 2 Kings 9, verses 1 through 13, and fought Baalism. The faithful remnant went to these schools as a substitute for the sanctuary on the Sabbath in the new moons, 2 Kings 4, verse 27. And they brought to the schools their tithes, first fruits, and offerings, 2 Kings chapter 4. Verse 42. Later, as Amos indicates, these schools fell into the hands of degenerate men and by their garb indicated their office as well as the symbolic doom of a nation. 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. Conferring also Isaiah 20, verse 2. Zechariah 13, verse 4. Matthew 3, verse 4, and Matthew 11, verse 8. Hebrews 11, verse 37. In at least one instance, there was anointing with oil and an investiture. 2 Kings, chapter 9, verse 1 through 6. These men all faced a people and a nation seeking naked power apart from righteousness and holiness. This is the essence of Baalism. 
they were not denying the existence of God, but they were denying that God is realistic about man's needs. What the Lord requires of man is holiness and righteousness. This is the way to power with God and man in the Lord's purpose. But Baalism offered power directly and saw the Lord's requirements of holiness and righteousness as unrealistic, impractical, and at times suicidal. The first of Elijah's two miracles set forth the healing of the waters of Jericho. God's power over the natural word is made clear. The Lord is he who is the total governor of all things, physical and mental. The spring ran clear and pure as a result of Elijah's healings, and has done so since then. The second miracle at Bethel. Elijah is mocked by a large number of young boys. In ages is possibly between 6 and 20, according to C.J. Ball. To curse God's prophet is to curse God. Deuteronomy 18, verse 19, conferring also Leviticus 24, verse 10 through 16. These boys shouting, quote, Go up, go up, unquote, to Elisha were echoing reports of Elijah's ascension, obviously treated as false. It was a laughing matter. They demanded of Elijah that he too, quote, get lost, unquote, or disappear. Moreover, although Elijah was still a young man, they called him, quote, baldhead, end quote. We are told that the meaning of this is uncertain. This is not true. Many priests of antiquity were shaved bald to indicate their abdication from the life of normal men. In some cults, this was accompanied by a ritual self-mutilation or castration. Into modern times in the Near East, men wore a fez or a skull cap even in the house. This was so that neither their nor any other man's baldness would show. It was believed that baldness was a mark of impotence, so that baldness was covered under normal circumstances. To shave the head during mourning was related to this. It indicated a person's impotence before the fact of death and sense of loss at time of bereavement. Not only could priests in Israel never be eunuchs, but not even in mourning could they shave their heads from Leviticus 21 verse 5 because they were representatives of God, they could only symbolize God's omnipotence and transcendence to death and decay. A Nazarite or a Levite upon purification, Numbers 8 and verse 7, could shave their heads, Numbers 6, verse 18. For them, it was a symbolic sacrifice and purification by an abandonment of their own pride before God's sovereign grace. But the priest could never forget for a moment that he, whatever he was in himself, represented omnipotence of God. This makes clear the shouts of the boys. They told Elijah to get lost, to disappear, that he, his message, and his God were impotent and useless. Scripture 
gives us simply the heart of their jeering. Obviously, it was raw, and a pornographic mockery aimed at the god of Elisha, who dared to say that the nation would perish. Eliza did as God required to him to do. He cursed them. Two she-bears shortly came out of the woods and killed 42 of the boys. Jericho, once a city accursed, was now blessed by the Lord through Elijah. Bethel, once a palace of blessing, now witnessed a curse. Holy places are where men today are holy unto the Lord and where all their possessions are given over to his glory. The Lord God at Bethel set forth the impotence, not of Elijah, but of Israel. It had no hope in itself, nor its accursed posterity. Israel might believe that the God's way is the way of foolishness, and man's way the way of power and potency. But the Lord confounded them in their arrogance and pride. Quote, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. End quote. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25. Many today who believe that God's law word is the way of impotence had better beware. There is no escaping God's power. It is, quote, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him. Or he went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. End quote. Amos 5, verse 19.